Hello, and welcome to the Science is Gray podcast. I'm your host, Serena Farb, and as a former science teacher with a biochemistry degree and passionate justice activist, I believe that social progress and justice depend on open scientific dialogue and debate, even when it's unpopular or controversial. On this podcast, we have in-depth conversations exploring scientific issues from a holistic perspective that allows room for nuance, understanding bias, ethical dilemmas, and reaching into the gray areas of science and ethics in society. I am really excited today to have a conversation with a friend of mine, Robert Schuler, who I actually met in Ithaca, New York, when I spent a year living and working there. He was a student at Cornell University at the time and has some fascinating personal experiences talking about uh, nuance in the GMO food and agriculture conversation, which is definitely something that I think gets thrown around, you know, with the pro-science, anti-science, like words and debate. And so I just wanted to explore this a little bit. We're not going to dig into the science today. We're going to hear your personal story, Robert. So welcome and thanks for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm honored and very excited for uh, this podcast. Thank you. Awesome. And so my, I hope yeah. my, my cat just decided to join <laughs> the party. So I hope that's fine. That. We like yeah. cat friendly <laughs> yeah. podcasts. Cool. Right on. <laughs> it's been a while since like even I have heard your experience, but yeah. um, can you just tell us, tell me a little bit um, about your, like you were at Cornell and you took a class called the GMO debate. What's your background? How did you get there? And uh, um, yeah. yeah, how'd you end up there in that class? Well, I'll maybe tell a little backstory and yeah. keep a long story short. Um, yeah, I went to Cornell for two years and w- was not into food or agriculture or even really e- ecological stuff at all. Um, I was definitely science leaning, kind of a math focused kind of guy, not not a biology or anything like that. And I just, I, I honestly, the second I got to Cornell, I just started to really falter with my physical and mental health. And I was, you know, I was an athlete before that and uh, just was really worried about you know, I was losing weight, all this stuff was happening. And um, yeah, I was kind of freaked out because I was like 18. Right. And, you know, that's not supposed to happen then. And, uh, you know, you're supposed to be at your prime and all this stuff. And uh, so then I started experimenting and then I went vegetarian, like mainly vegan, which I know will be a huge part of this (laughs) podcast, too. And uh, and that was interesting. I, I definitely I got much less healthy after that shift, you know, to be totally honest. And even though I, I loved the ethics and everything and felt, uh, you know, felt better about that, it just kind of exacerbated my problems. And whereas I feel a lot of people go, you know, they go vegan and they're like, I feel fantastic, feel like 10 years younger, all this different stuff. And um, yeah, that wasn't my experience, but I knew that I didn't want to give it up and that that wasn't the problem, right? That wasn't the root mm-hmm. problem. So I just, I was like, this, you know, this environment school is just making me not happy, not healthy. I'm going to figure this out. So I really, my last semester, I was spending most of my time researching kind of more esoteric, what then was considered more esoteric vegan principles and, you know, you know, whole food plant-based and, you know, raw food modalities and fasting and, you know, the whole thing, the whole, that whole universe, superfoods. <laughs> you know, detox, all that different kind of stuff. And yeah, so I, I was just, I just became obsessed with researching, you know, how to eat right, how to, um, 
you know, the best dietary practices uh, and was willing to try anything like any extreme, you know, and uh-huh. to be honest, was probably more focused on the physical than I should have been compared to like the mental and all that stuff. But, uh, yeah, but I, but at the same time, my body was failing, you know, I was, I was losing weight and my, my skin was very bad and I was just, you know, not in a good place. And, uh, so yeah, that led me to, um, I actually went and studied with, uh, Gabriel cousins, uh, MD in mm-hmm. Arizona at his retreat center. And he's a very interesting figure, uh, very controversial you know, vegan plant-based doctor, kind of a leader in the raw foods movement. I spent the better part of a year there in this community of all, pretty much all vegan, all um, mostly raw food. And, but not just that people doing all sorts of herbs and, you know, trying different modalities and getting rid of parasites, you know, everything, anything you could think of in the, in that whole universe. And um, that wasn't my ultimate path or anything, but that opened up my whole world to, to, to a, something stuff that I didn't know about before. And I was pretty young when I was there and yeah. And so that just changed the course of my life dramatically. And, um, I got uh, quite a bit healthier there. I still had to put some pieces together and, uh, it didn't get the, yeah, I didn't get the whole puzzle piece there, but it it set me on the path and definitely, uh, you know, changed my life. I don't know where I'd be with, without him. So I am very grateful, even though, you know, we're not hundred percent in alignment with everything. I, I love that guy, but yeah. So, uh, and really, I I think one of the most underrated uh, things that helped me out there was uh, the, the farming and the agriculture because they had a, a veganic kind of uh, not comprehensive. They got food from the outside, too, but they they grew tons of their own food all, uh-huh. you know, way beyond organic, you know, in the desert. Right. right? Yeah. In the, in the middle of the, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. So they were. Yeah, they were really that wasn't their main focus, but they were they were definitely experts at that. And um and so I was working in the gardens and the farms a lot, and that really helped with my mental health, which is something that I've since heard is very common. You know, people get back to the land and start to feel better. And then I started hearing about the, you know, the G, he, he would give lectures on GMOs and, and stuff like that. And that kind of put that, you know, that into my ear a little bit. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I knew that we were eating GMO foods, but I didn't, you know, like, you know, it's kind of like being in the matrix. You kind of don't really understand what's, <laughs> what's happening, especially when you're young, you're just, you just assume it's just like a thing somewhere out there in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, and yeah, and then I uh, decided to go back to school and um, can we pivot to that? Or are we ready? Yeah. To, yeah. Uh, we're yeah, yeah. good for that. <laughs> yeah. So you ended up back yeah. at Cornell. <laughs> ended up back out there and I was honestly very excited because I, I kind of had failed, um, my first time and you know I, I just completely you know was not in a good space so I was like oh great I feel so good now I'm gonna I'm gonna mm-hmm. really just meet a bunch of great people and and um just really you know have a good I'm gonna it's gonna be night and day you know right which in a lot of ways kind of was I did meet a lot of great people and and um and uh like you and <laughs> but um yeah and then I uh yeah so I wasn't doing agriculture or anything I was still doing the math path but uh-huh. then very very quickly Right around the time when I got back there, I think maybe a year or so before that, they were implementing a variety of new projects at Cornell. The main one being the kind of the Bill Gates funded Alliance for Science, uh-huh. um, which is still active, I believe. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah. And initially it was pr- pretty much virtually 100 percent funded by Bill Gates money. I think he doubled. He started with a you know a good six million dollars. And I think he's since doubled that. And wow. um 
and it's there are other people that donate, but it's last time I checked, it was like a couple thousand dollars or something, mm-hmm. you know, and which is fine, you know. But anyway, so this Alliance for Science purports to like what do they even say? They they say they want to, you know, create scientific literacy within the agricultural world, <laughs> you know, pr- uh-huh. with a focus on the global south, like the African continent and right. and the Indian subcontinent. So my alarm bell started to go off, and I'm trying to think what. Uh, did you hear yeah. about the like there was a class called the GMO debate? Did, yes. How did you hear about that? I was just um, looking online for for classes to fill. Uh-huh. And uh, I and I'm one of those, you know, like most kids, especially Cornell kids, they're like, oh, let's look at every single class and have, uh-huh. and every, you know, and, uh, you know, and um, so I, I didn't take that. Cl- I don't think. Um, oh, and it was a it was what's called a university course, which at Cornell, I guess, means it's basically multidisciplinary. Okay. Where they have the, and you know Cornell is a giant agriculture school, right? And yep. so it was, it was agriculture, sociology, science, biology. You know, it was, uh-huh. all, and it was like five professors, right? Yeah. And so I, and I've never. Some people have criticized me. They said, "Well, you never really took the class," which I never claimed to. I was sitting. I would go every week and or two times a week and sit in. And uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I know I was never enrolled, but I was like, I was more, I was upset, more obsessed with that than anything. So I went. And the first day, you know, all these guys, these, um, I won't say any names, but it was, you know, four or five professors and they, they all just said the most boilerplate insane Monsanto talking points, Mm -hmm. points that I've ever heard with no nuance. And I was, I was just waiting for the, uh, the other side, you know, the the, the debate. It was a debate. (laughs) Yeah. Where I was like, I know that there's, you know, well-respected scientists that, that aren't anti-science that have critiques of GMO agriculture, especially uh-huh. Monsanto's version of it. Right. Right. <laughs> and that just never came. So I, I kind of, what I did is every week they would have a different topic and I kind of bit my tongue till the end and then, and then kind of raised a little, you know, a little storm at the end where I would ask at least one good question that I would craft the whole, the whole time. So, you know, uh-huh. they would, they would talk, you know, they would talk about, I don't know, glyphosate for one whole roundup for one whole thing. And of course, yep. all pro, you know, that everyone anti glyphosate, you know, and this is before a lot of the glyphosate stuff has come out, you know, right? Yeah. Like a lot of the all the lawsuits. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just wondering, yeah. like, were they using the term like anti science or were they like actively oh, yeah. called? They were act- already like actively calling like anti GMO activists, like anti science, then that was that was the focus. That was the 100% the thesis wow. of the course. And um, in fact, the the when I the first moment when I walked in uh, that and I'll see if I can find this picture um, or yeah, it might be out there somewhere. But uh, the, the image, someone drew a little cartoon image for the course, you know, like uh-huh. kind of this, this is the this is the GMO course, the debate. Here's the image. The image was a cartoon version of um, I'm I'm being 100% literal here. I'm not okay. exaggerating this at all. It was a bunch of anti-GMO activists seizing a stock of corn from like a startled kind of nerdy scientist with glasses. Uh-huh. I think I've and, seen this cartoon. Yeah. And an Af- an African family, like a mom and kids in the corner with like an empty bowl of like harvesting grain or food or something right. like with their heads down, basically. Starving because so make- anti-GMO activists are killing yeah. them. <laughs> So the immediately I was like, what the F is this? You know, I was just, you know, so I, I knew it was going to be good then. But yeah, that was 100% the focus. And then, of course, they they took the Indian and the Bangladeshi um, angle on that because there was huge, huge protests against, you know, uh, the, the, the corn and the brinjal, mm-hmm. the eggplant. No, not the corn. I'm sorry. The, um, the, the cotton and the brinjal in okay. India, which 
by all, you know, by any measure has failed the Indian people and the Bangladeshi people. I know a lot more about the numbers on how they kind of, you know, the, 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 the actual numbers on how they were like, look at it, actually the, the GMO cotton is good and it's helping the Indian farmers. Uh-huh. I, kn- I know now, I knew that that was fishy, but I, I know why those numbers are not correct. And that's propaganda. Okay. Um, but in terms, but, but they, but even that they've, they've rarely kind of dug into the actual data because mm-hmm. the data doesn't support them. So they would kind of do this rhetorical thing where they're like, they would show images of like, like here's the, some either, I don't know, the prime minister or some head Indian guy, you know, some political guy. And, you know, people would be protesting the, the brinjal, right. And they would uh-huh. have like an image of like a brinjal with like the poison sign or like the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the whatever the, kind of alluding to that. Yeah. And the, and the, the, the Indian uh, governmental figure, the agri- head agriculture guy, he'd kind of have a face be like, come on, guys. And they'd put an image up of that on the slideshow and be like, look, see, these guys are that, that would be their evidence of that. that wow. it was, yeah, like stuff like that, you know, and um, and of course, and most of the <laughs> there is weird. there were a few scientists. This is the most interesting part. There were a few, you know, lifelong career academic scientists that were taking these positions um, and. But then a lot of them were just, you know, sociologists that happen to work for Monsanto, right? Or, mm-hmm. or you know, or journalists, right? They they had a they had this famous New York Times journalist that was happened to be pro GMO and wrote a lot of right. You know, well, and did you know, know the? Because yeah. I know you learned later that the professors were like communicating with Monsanto. Did you mm. know that while you were in the class, or did they just present themselves as Cornell independent professors? Yeah. So thank you for bringing that part up because I, I, I was spacing on that because yeah, in the beginning I was just like, okay, something's weird going on here. Maybe they're just ideologically based. Maybe something's, there's definitely no, I'm the only, some random kid sitting in this class is the only anti voice. Right. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is weird to me, you know, although a lot of, a lot of random kids and and people in the class and some of the, the African fellows, they call the fellows, you know, that were invited by the Alliance for Science. They would come up to me in private and be like, "Hey, don't stop," kind of thing. You oh know? wow! Like, sure, yeah. Which but they were—you think they were too scared to say anything in the class? Yeah, well, well, some of the kids just—they weren't really—they were just kind of taking a class. But they were okay. like, "I agree with you, right?" Uh-huh. And they—and I don't judge that, you know. They're not right. you know, activists or whatever. But yeah, some of the definitely some of the you know they they were you know it's mixed up with a lot of stuff like careerism and yeah. you know and all this <laughs> different stuff. But yeah, d- definitely, I think some of them could see it was BS and. uh but yeah, so during the course, um, this is where it gets interesting. Uh, so I'll, I'll rewind. Uh, it gets a little personal. I was a, I was a waiter for a famous vegetarian restaurant in <laughs> Ithaca, New York, and uh-huh. um, T. Colin Campbell uh, was uh, was a professor at Cornell, and he was the plant based god. You know, not just at <laughs> Cornell, but in almost the world at that point. Right. And and you know right. I kind of learned right after I left Cornell, I was like, oh, this guy who I'm obsessed with this plant-based diet thing, he's been there all along and I didn't even know about him, which was weird Uh to me, right? And then he and another gentleman actually ended up sitting in my section. So I was his waiter, right? (laughs) And, you know, I waited the whole time. I didn't want to weird him out or anything. I waited the whole time Uh till the end. And then I was like, I just want to let you know I'm a big fan. You know, I've read your book. Um, You know, it's it's crazy. And then I was like, kind of like, 
you know, it's really crazy what's happening at Cornell. Like, I don't know if you're aware. <laughs> now it's funny. I'm like, I don't know if you know this, but uh, but there, there's like a lot of propaganda around this stuff. Right. A lot of most. big ag. And they... Yeah. And he's like, you know, I'm like, I didn't know. I didn't know anything then, you know. And then his the gentleman he was with kind of perked up when I said GMOs and he handed me his card. Mm -hmm. and um it said independent science news on it and Jonathan okay. Latham, and bioscience <laughs> resource project and then I I started checking out his site and he had a lot of GMO stuff up there and I think some Cornell stuff at that point and then we started to talk a lot and then he put out this this huge article um in reference to another article there was a big New York Times article uh showing it was talking about all this academic confluence with monsanto and big ag uh influence in the new york right? times they were actually reporting that wow i believe eric lipton was the was the um journalist and okay and he's not even he's kind of like a centrist he's not even a big anti-gmo guy or anything he's just a new mm -hmm. york times guy right and he wrote right. a story on it so I, you know, there was, you know, it was all about UC Davis and, you know, Iowa and all these different universities all over the country and world, I guess, Canada. Uh -huh. And what exactly what, so and, he was um, just saying that they were promoting that like universities the, were promoting propaganda or. Yeah. The basics was they just did a bunch of FOIA requests, you know, freedom of information and showed that they were, you know, in direct communication with Monsanto mm -hmm. executives, I guess. I don't know, you know, okay. Monsanto people like you yeah. know emailing directly right yep. which is kind of weird and then but then i read uh and and the, you know the and oh and then jonathan wrote his article you know the new york times can only go so far and jonathan will take right. it further right <laughs> yeah and so so i wrote his article kind of expounding on that i don't know is that the right word um but mm -hmm. uh, uh uh and i'm reading it and then he brings the cornell angle into it and he's like oh also included in these FOIA emails were and then boom, 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 like every single professor in the course I was sitting oh, in. Oh, wow. And I was okay. like, what, what is going on? You know, and then like that was midway through. So I already knew something was weird. about. So it. you were in the class when yeah. you when this all happened and then you mm -hmm. realized that in Jonathan's article on Independent Science News that the Freedom of Information Act request basically showed that your professors like that they listed by name. Yeah. Were in direct communication with Monsanto. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And um never confronted them on this in mm -hmm. particular you know one of them that there was there it was all it was all guys uh teaching this course you know a couple scientists and they'd been there a long time you know and then one uh woman soil scientist who actually seemed by far the most reasonable and she would mm -hmm. she would kind of she would talk to me and come up to me after and i would go to some of her events and stuff and okay and i never you know i never really felt comfortable like pointing the finger and being like these guys are corrupt this is the problem you know uh -huh. kind of thing because i knew her and i knew that she wasn't you know she was a true believer right and she uh -huh. she you know she believed in glyphosate but she also believed in some like agroecology stuff and some you know some okay. cool soil amendment stuff and she was just like a she was just like a soil scientist at mm -hmm. uh, at a monsanto ag school basically right how did you like with someone like her or maybe some of your other professors did they feel like they were like there was something wrong with with being in communication with Monsanto or did they because I feel like some people yeah. view Monsanto like the whole idea that Monsanto is bad. They disagree yeah. with. And it's like there's yeah. just this agriculture, biotech, scientific yeah. company that like if they're giving us information or in communication with us, what's wrong? Like they're like, that's yeah. fine. Do you feel like Pretty the professors the yeah. felt that way or did any of them like do you think like realize or feel like they yeah. were just totally propaganda. Yeah, Monsanto. I think, well, I think in, in this, 
in this woman's case, she she definitely well, she told me she's like, I don't see I don't see the big deal, you know. Uh-huh. And and one time I was like, you know, like, what are they, you know, what are they telling you guys to say or something like uh-huh. I, you know, I haven't worded it. And she's like, who's they? You know, she was like, I'm oh. so confused as no one's telling me anything, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. OK, Um, but I do think. I think some were true believers and some were just like, this is my job. This is how the world works. You know, just kind of, they're just neoliberals, right? They, th- you know, they haven't uh-huh. seen a problem with the confluence between corporate and academia and, uh, and the uh, implications of that pose. But then, yes, yeah, some of them I feel were a little bit more nefarious and you could kind of, and this is my judgment call. Um, uh-huh. and I, I will, I will, uh, I'll own that, you know, but, okay. I, you know, I, but I could, I could see it in their eyes. You know, they knew they were, they were not, they were not doing the right thing. You know, they, they mm-hmm. knew that it was kind of BS or, you know, it, it gets complex, you know, and I don't know, people just want to put food on the table and that's a good gig. If you can make, you know, if you can make a hundred, 200 K a year, just being a weird propaganda teacher for the industry, that's like and a good gig, you know? And it's, yeah. did was there any evidence that besides these email communications that the professors were actually being like paid or bribed by Monsanto or, or was well, there, I'm just I, curious. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I not particularly at Cornell. Okay. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I don't even think it would be necessary to like bribe those guys. Okay. But, but there were other examples of people in that New York Times article that absolutely were caught lying, saying they had never taken industry money. Mm. And then it came out that they did like Kevin okay. Fulta and stuff. And Kevin Fulta is like a pretty famous example of. Okay, I think, he? I, think he's, I don't know who that is. is he Kevin a- Fulta, he's the University University of Florida guy who's like you know ex, he's ex, he's extremely pro GMO and you know extreme okay. pro industry pro pro everything you're you were against you know he's like for, and so he you know he was and he's I think he's largely been discarded by the industry because he's far too volatile of a figure you know okay to you know he's just he's you know he's bad at social media and got tons <laughs> of trouble with that stuff and everything and um you know, that kind of vibe. Well, and then wasn't there he, like a Wall well, Street? He, well, okay, go on. Sorry. <laughs> well, he, no, well, well, he, yeah, hold that thought for just a second. Cause he, you know, you said if he was invited by this class and by the Cornell Alliance oh. for Science to give all these talks. So okay. it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like these degrees of, mm-hmm. you know, separation are not very, you know, that's very closely knit. Right. Right. So yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, this guy's obviously a charlatan and it's been pretty much proven that he is. And you guys are are calling on him as like a as an independent expert on these topics. Right. It's wow. like how how deep does this go? You know, it's like even if like I would be embarrassed to be associated, even if I believed in GMOs, I would not want to be associated with someone. That's just me, you know. Like, uh-huh. you're, you know, and oh, who am I to judge? You know, but still, you know. So so it's it was all it was just a club, you know. It was it was, it was just like a club of people, and they all knew each other, and they all talked to each other, and then there'd be random story, you know. Uh, uh, what's her name, Pam Ronald or Pam Roland, um, you know, and, and Jonathan wrote an article about her. She had to retract a paper and then she blamed it on her grad students and stuff like oh, that. Oh, wow. You know, okay. All this different. So, they, you know, these guys were not, they weren't like good scientists. They're, they're not good. They're not doing like revolutionary work or, or, you know, they're, they're just industry plants, you know, whether they know it or not, you know, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll stand by that for sure, you know. <laughs> Um, go, go ahead though. You were, you I was just going to say, I mean, I feel like one of the most compelling things I heard and again, this isn't even about like the details of GMOs or biotechnology. This yeah. to me is just like, how can we trust things or trust the science coming out of institutions that think it's okay to behave in these ways or not even mm-hmm. have classes? Like, 
I would feel very differently if it was an actual like GMO debate where you presented the industry perspective or or these pro GMO talking points. And then you also presented authentic, not like straw man, fake arguments, but like the real things that real scientists that are questioning GMO safety or questioning, like if they presented that and had an authentic, open conversation and debate, I would be much less skeptical or, or much more willing to listen. But then you hear things like what I was going to say is I think maybe it was the wall street journal. Someone put out an op-ed defending GMOs or maybe even glyphosate. And then it came out that they, that that Monsanto, some executive at Monsanto had actually written their op-ed and then literally paid them to publish it under their name. Cause they were an independent scientist or journalist or whatever. I don't remember who it was. I think it was the wall street journal. Don't quote me on that though. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah it's like, right. like crap like that. I'm just like, well, what, you, what, what you're saying right now is exactly the point. And the, the most important thing for me, for me you nailed it, uh, is that it wasn't that I, of course, there's going to be pro GMO sentiment at Cornell, you know, uh-huh. like one of the oldest land grant universities in the, in the nation, right? That's yeah. since the Bayh-Dole Act in the eighties completely corrupted in particular, you know, agricultural research, you know, where professors mm-hmm. and, and scientists at universities can, and profit off patents and stuff yep. like that right where it's, it becomes like a, it opens up a whole new avenue of uh um yeah and really since the mid 80s till now it, it's been it's been even before that it was bad but now it's completely opened up uh-huh. but yeah it, it's just the fact that there was no other voice of critique for this and that yeah it was completely straw manned it was made to seem like a bunch of you know soccer moms shopping at whole foods that were the mm-hmm. main people fighting this which nothing wrong with that you know but um but you know that there was no valid critique of this right. combined no with scientific or evidence-based mm-hmm. critique. Yeah. Combined with the, exactly. Com- yeah. Combined with the fact that they were spinning known, known propaganda and that they they were definitely part of an, part of a web of connections for sure connected to Monsanto and at the very least tertiarily connected to the financial aspect, getting, getting paid mm-hmm. for this, at least some of them. Right. And that was the big red flag for me. And yeah, and I was like, why, you know, so initially I started to organize, I was like, well, let's get some people to de- actually debate, you know, you call uh-huh. this GMO debate class. And of course, none of them wanted to do it. So we decided to, you know, just gather a handful of people to, to give some lectures on the other side, you know, uh-huh. and that was kind of what, yeah. And my whole litmus is like, I'm, you know, I, and I, I'm, I definitely don't, I think a lot of people get in this black and white thing where. I don't even I don't even know where I stand on GMOs. I, I'm definitely they're they're not needed in agriculture. I know that they're, they're, there's no need to feed people with GMOs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't necessarily agree with every anti GMO take or scientists. Right. Absolutely uh-huh. not. You know, and I, there are there are for sure some bad faith actors in the anti GMO camp which they focused on that, you know, the, the pro mm-hmm. side incessantly, you know, same thing with um, veganism. It's like exactly. I don't agree with every yeah. vegan activist out there. There's plenty of. Yeah. vegan activists that aren't good people yeah, yeah <laughs> unfortunately exactly. yeah but my whole thing was was and this is where i you know because i'm not a scientist i i mm-hmm. do have a i i'm scientifically literate and i have a scientific mind you know i i've kind of that was my thing in school and everything and um and it's just broader than that like i i i like to think i'm logically based you know since i was uh-huh. you know since i've got the math brain and everything but uh um my whole thing was I would, I would listen to like these guys talk about glyphosate and they'd be like, you know, it's safer than table salt and all this stuff. And then, 
And then I listened to John or read one of the Jonathan's articles, listen to him talk about glyphosate. He's like, well, actually, you know, they say it doesn't activate the shikimate pathway, but it can actually do this in your gut bacteria and, and this enzyme. And I'm like, okay, this guy obviously knows what he's talking about more than these people saying it's safe. Like he's uh-huh. actually researched it. Right. Right. And, uh, and so they, so it's like, you know, this is a complex topic and the people that are, are willing to, to, and again, there's something to be said about simplifying things for a broad audience. But when you do that in favor of agrochemicals, like, what are you doing? Right. So, yeah. so it's like, so like, I'm going to listen to the guys that are, are talking about actually biochemical pathways and, and, you know, and different, you know, and how it affects the soil and, you know, and locks up mag- magnesium and manganese and stuff like that. And, um, and so that, I was like, okay, these guys obviously are, are talking about, even if they're wrong, they're at least trying to talk about it at a deeper level. Uh-huh. And I want to listen to them, you know, and they're, they're not wrong, you know, but it, like, even if they are like, they're, they're, they're not treating me like a baby. Right. Right. They're, let, they're letting, they're, they're showing the evidence and letting me. And in many cases, they're, they're pointing to Monsanto documents and Monsanto <laughs> science showing this stuff. That's the funny thing. They're like, this uh-huh. is your guys lot like the vaccines, right. With, with stuff happening today where you're like, you could point to, you know, the industry studies, you know, that are, that are, sh- that are doing this stuff. And it's like, this is your guys' science that so we're just amplifying it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, that's kind of where we were in the middle of this course. And we, yeah. So. Yeah. Very. Wow. Yeah. Very interesting. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it reminds me a little bit. I remember when I was at Grinnell in college and I was actually trying to do, this is probably my senior year. I was trying to do a screening of the you were biology, right? At Grinnell biochemistry. Right? Yeah. Biochemistry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, but this was unrelated. I was actually trying to do a screening of cowspiracy okay, um, yeah. as part of like the vegan club that I was part of, that I ran on campus. And I remember like putting up posters and sending out emails. And I went to one of my like biology professors thinking like they would be supportive. And I just had like a general, um, like biology class with them. It wasn't super detailed. Like I had no idea what their views on anything were. And And we didn't like learn about anything that at the time I was aware of was controversial or, you know, um, and I remember giving them a poster and talking to the, to this professor and he was like, and he went on a rant, like he barely Hmm. saw this poster and he goes on a rant about uh, GMOs aren't all bad. And like, he starts launching into this stuff. Like, I'm so sick of people being against like industrial agriculture. And I was like, yeah, uh, a that's not what this film is about like um b i didn't say anything about that like wow you have really strong feelings about this and i like i was really shocked at the fact that like i showed him a poster for cowspiracy which is about like the sustainability of eating meat and dairy not really doesn't talk about gmos at all and and like didn't say anything on the poster and like that launched him into this whole like defensive industrial agriculture and i was really stunned and then i think i said something like oh you know that's not what this is about like this is about like how meat and dairy aren't sustainable and he goes oh yeah i can totally get on board with that he's like of course you're eating less meat i don't think he realized that it was like actually saying don't eat any because i don't think he would have been supportive of that but this was in the middle of iowa you know Mm -hmm. and it Mm -hmm. just it really caught me off guard that a professor that I'd had had such, and he actually apologized later because he realized how strong he'd come off and how intense. Um, I just like, wasn't expecting that. Yeah. I've, I've noticed I've been in similar situations a lot of times and, and you realize, well, like I I alluded to before, it's embarrassing when 
these people these are these people's careers and you you know stuff that they don't that they should know you're like mm-hmm. why do i know this isn't even i haven't even chosen this path in life and i know <laughs> stuff about yeah like ran like the shikimate pathway or what glyphosate does like you know or and and it's just embarrassing they have to resort to these these straw it's, it's almost like they don't want to be associated with like vegan hippies or something like that's uh-huh. the extent of how that's how far it goes for them they they want to be scientismic you know they, they want to yep. be seen as like a science scientismic kind of person not scientific right but yeah which is one of you know science that's a new favorite word for me where you know yeah yeah where it, that's the extent it goes it's a cultural thing right mm-hmm. it's they, they they want to be seen as that person they don't actually want to dig in and ask the hard questions right yeah and which if they did they, they might be surprised right they might be yeah they might be there's a lot of nuance there even the most pro GMO person could stand to be more nuanced about GMOs. You know, that's my whole thing. Uh-huh. And, and I always, and that was my thing was I, I always wanted to, how do I say this? I wanted to, I wanted to address the pro GMO people. I didn't want to like get a bunch of cheerleaders on the anti GMO side, uh-huh. you know, cause people will ideologically believe anything and support anyone in their camp, which is a big thing I'm against, you know, I'm, I'm trying to have, I'm never trying to be pigeonholed in any one way, basically. Right. And uh, even if I'm vehemently, you know, anti meat or, you know, or anti animal agriculture, you know, factory farming or something, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, I still try and see the bigger picture and all of it. But even right. if you're, even if you're pro GMO, there, there's tons of interesting stuff with GMOs that you should be like, why did, why isn't golden rice a thing yet? You know, and no, mm-hmm. it's not because of activists. Like that should, that should be like a red flag. Like they've been doing this for 20 years and they said it was going to be a success back in 2001. Why is it still a technological failure? Like that should be an interesting scientific question, but uh-huh. if you're ideologically right. But if you're ideologically, you know, obsessed with GMOs, you'll just see everyone asking those questions as the enemy. Right. And it's like, but it's like, I want to know why it's not, why it doesn't work. Like, well, that's, and that's fascinating. You know, it's like, even right. just from a purely scientific. Yeah. Right. Well, For and didn't example. you like try and actually, didn't you invite some of like your professors or the Cornell Alliance for science to actually debate you and like the, the other scientists that you were working with um, to learn about the other side of GMOs. Yeah. And they all, they, they all refused. And just um, flat out refused or like what, how did they justify that? Yeah, they, they, yeah, they largely didn't respond uh, <laughs> at all. And I think it was, uh, well, I, you know, again, I, that you think if you're on the, if you believe in your positions and you know that people are coming at you in good faith, Mm-hmm. then you have nothing to fear right right and you know and it, and you it's like a, it's like a socrates thing you know you're you should always be willing to say just just let the truth stand on its own you know uh-huh. and, and, and be its own thing or just ask good questions right things like right. that and uh but i think uh well they had i think they had a lot of heat on them from the new york times article which was like a pretty you know that's that's it was like a you know, international news story, even mm-hmm. though for people that care about that stuff, it's not like, you know, normal people are like, whoa, GMOs, you know, it's like, you know, it's still a pretty niche subject right? For, for most people. I think they had a lot of heat on them. And I think either personally they realized or they were told like, hey, don't, don't get involved in this kind of thing. And, and to be charitable, you know, I was definitely pretty gung ho about this. And I was like, let's go, let's get the, you know, let's, uh-huh. even though I, I tried not to be mean or anything. And I, I definitely didn't resort to, you know, I, I, I tried to let the info stand on its own, but I was pretty like, I was pretty 
intense about it you know and i was uh-huh. like so so maybe they just don't want anything to do with it because of that you know it's it, you know if i'm being charitable right but yeah i think yeah and I, I think and jonathan said he said point blank it's like you know they you know they you know they, they know they they they, they don't have the answers to the questions we're asking or the framework we're proposing. So they're, they're, uh, you know, they're, you know, they, 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 I'm not saying always the people that are refusing to debate are, are the ones that are more wrong or the ones Mm -hmm. that have more to answer to, but I think in this case for sure is. And, uh, yeah. And, um, it was interesting. Yeah. We couldn't really get anyone to anyone on the industry side to, uh, to, to debate and then we brought people like uh like michael hansen who's one of my favorite you know scientists he's like a, you know he's like a legit scientist deep he's been deep in the gmo regulator uh uh-huh. regulation uh framework for for decades for 20 30 years right yeah and then we we brought him it was, it was yeah so that was we, we they walked out of the debate uh with michael hansen and jonathan latham so we just decided to to just do a little talk Q and a session with those two guys and myself and the audience. Right. Uh-huh. And, um, and you were there, I think. And yeah, uh, I was there for um, that. And then, you know, the second, yeah. And the, yeah. And the second Michael Hansen started to speak, I was like, Oh, this guy is like legit. No wonder no one wants to like, he, he's, he's actually, he's been in these international meetings where they, so he was, you know, he was like, like with that Kevin Volta guy, he's like, that guy's completely unserious and does not know what he's talking about. And I believe him because I, I could tell Michael Hansen does know what he's talking about, you know? And uh, so, yeah, it's, it was one of those situations. Mm-hmm. For sure. mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's one of the ways, like, not that I have the time to research every single topic in my life to the extent that I want, but mm-hmm. when I'm trying like myself to figure out what's true or what's the most evidence-based thing or like what makes sense, mm-hmm. The way that I would ideally and attempt to go about doing that is I'll hear, like, I'll have a theory or an idea, I'll present it to a friend or someone, and then hear what they say, or, or like, look it up online and be like, okay, mm-hmm. here's, you know, like, okay, I'm learning about golden rice, and I'm learning that yeah. there's this argument that, like, okay, it's it doesn't exist yet, it's still, like, there's been technological failures with it, and then I'll look for, like, okay, what is the other side saying? How does Monsanto, how do Bayer and these corporations or the Cornell Alliance for Science, like, what is there? Are they responding? And what I've found, yeah. at least in the GMO space, as well as some others, like, I want to take things back and forth as much as possible. Yeah. I'll find the, the other side, and then I'll take that back to the, the anti-GMO yeah. scientists or activists or whatever, which, by the way, for the record, I don't like the term pro-GMO and anti-GMO. Yeah. I think it's yeah. way more nuanced and, and detailed than that, but it's just insane. for the yeah. sake of this. And so mm-hmm. it's like what I found was that at least in this GMO space or with things like golden rice, I was getting so much detail when I would actually read articles and, or watch YouTube videos or listen to speakers that mm-hmm. had scientific credentials and backgrounds. And I couldn't find near the level of information or response on the other side. Or when I yeah. did, it didn't make half as much sense to me. Or when I took those arguments back to the other side, they could refute it with facts and yeah. details. And I would like, if I were to go back and forth until it ended, like, Almost every time it's ended on the side of the the activists or the so-called, you know, anti-GMO people. And that's that's just what I found. It's like like what you're saying, the details Mm -hmm. are the details and evidence are really there on one side and the other side. Usually, at least with this, 
like it just it's not compelling. It doesn't have the same level yeah. of evidence. And that's that's why I'm 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 confident in calling what Cornell and Bill Gates is are doing is propaganda. Mm-hmm. And I, I will stand by that because they refuse to debate in good faith and they just create these caricatures and straw men and uh, they it's just and it's just it's like it's these are interesting scientific topics, you know, like I don't uh-huh. and you're doing a disservice to these kids strictly from a from, a, you know, the young people that want to become scientists. Right. And that was the most heartbreaking thing for me was like, I have no desire to become a biologist. You know, I feel like I, you know, I got into Cornell. I, I could. I'm not saying that as an ego thing. Like I, uh-huh. you know, I, I feel I have the 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 mental hardware to to pull it pull off getting a degree in biology or whatever from Cornell. Absolutely, yeah. But but I would talk to these, you know, like the pro GMO kids out there, and it was just this, it was it was like they weren't it wasn't their thoughts, you know. It was their. Mm-hmm. You, you, I was like, you could just take it and and lift it and put it over from their professor to them, which which is totally which is not their fault. It's totally understandable, right? But it's it's such a disservice, and it's. And then they they saw me as like this weird enemy or something, right? And which is like, what? You know, like it's like, don't you? Yeah, again, to, not to harp on this, but don't you want to know why golden rice doesn't work? Like they, mm-hmm. why they're on the third, fourth version of it and it still doesn't produce vitamin A to actually solve the problem or that theoretically it might never solve that problem for not just for scientific reasons, but for cultural reasons, for for socioeconomic reasons, for mm-hmm. for all sorts of stuff, you know? It's it's a it's a huge matrix of... of uh, of inf- information that that leads us to our beliefs right and yeah. on these topics and and uh yeah so yeah they are absolutely doing propaganda and that um and not only that but it's i think it's become more blatant and base in recent years like i don't really f- follow the alliance for science per se but they, they've never responded to any critiques and you know bill gates is really ramping up his whole you know his african project so to speak and mm-hmm. and 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 his american project with the farmland and everything and and yeah it's not there's nothing scientific about about what they're doing and th- there's endless academic critiques of the gates foundation you know in the literature now or there's at least a handful that are really good right you know that are, that yep. are way more nuanced than anything they've come up with and uh and yeah and w- the one thing that i that is nefarious that i see is they they which is very common in other uh, other realms and other topics and stuff is the whole greenwashing where now they'll start to include a little of the like they'll put, they'll post articles about veganism or they'll post articles about mm-hmm. agroecology, but not to, they'll kind of try and try and wash it or try and they'll try and get that cred. Yeah. But without any of the, any of the actual, any of the actual heart and soul of what, what, what we're talking about you know and what Absolutely. yeah which is yeah yeah and i would say my position largely is i'm vehemently anti-gmo from an agricultural perspective i make no claims about like i don't know what's going to happen in medicine or biology or any of right. this stuff like i i don't know and i know gmos being used endlessly for a lot of different stuff today and i'm not i'm not a luddite you know and i i, mm-hmm. I don't think that you know so my but but when it comes to agriculture it's just hasn't worked. You know, they, there's no drought tolerant stuff that works better than, than, you know, traditional breeding. There's no salt tolerant stuff that works better than traditional breeding yield. Um, yep. You know, all this different stuff, nutrition. Uh, I mean, it's mainly stuff. being used to feed animals. Like, like they That's can right. make whatever claims they want about world hunger and poverty. But mm-hmm. the reality is like most GMO crops are corn and soy 
that are yeah. an alfalfa that are being fed to to animals yeah. in agriculture. It's- and that, and that brings up what Jonathan talks about, which is uh, the Trojan horse GMOs, right? Where all this other, all this, and the, you know, the, the scientismic type, you know, the neoliberal academic who, you know, believes the party line on every single scientific issue, right? Mm-hmm. When it comes to how we should create the world we're in, right? Um, in terms of, you know, applying science or technology, right? right? Actually, applying technology is the real, yeah, yeah. Uh, the real deal. But where was I going to? Oh yeah. So the, you know, where, where you look at the numbers and you're like, okay, you know, that 99.9% of these GMOs are herbicide tolerant or BT protein producing or both um, or stacked or whatever. And yes, yeah, 70% of those go to, you know, factory farms, which we know is not a scientifically sound way of producing food on any level. Uh-huh. And, you know, the, you know, the 25% go to, corn syrup and you know soy isolates and stuff like that and the you know the remaining 10 5 percent or whatever go to biofuels and all this different stuff and then you know 0.001 percent are gmo papayas in hawaii and another 0.001 percent are this random mustard green or whatever and you know that they say so there's all these pet projects that agroecology and 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 authentic organic agriculture render completely unnecessary and harmful Right. right. Um, but they're used to kind of convince this scientismic, technocratic, neoliberal type that, oh, like, look at this. This is good. And this is good. And this is good. And and then they're like, oh, I guess we need herbicide tolerance, too. And that's where right. the propaganda comes in. You know, they don't care about these GMOs. They're making some Monsanto was making some GMO. Um, Allison, Jonathan's partner, talked about this. He's yeah, another Ph.D. geneticist. Um According to Monsanto data, like data, they they were creating some GMO zucchini or something, right? Which of mm-hmm. course, and a lot of the stuff never hits the market, never hits, never does, right? Never, uh, and they they accidentally removed ninety five percent of the vitamin A from the zucchini Whoops. or something, something like that. Uh-huh. Like, how 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 are you that bad at creating G- like you know? Don't you want to know why why that's gone? You know, it's so, so it's just stuff like that where you're just like, what, right. you know, these people don't know what they're doing, you know? And I want to say one more thing. It's, it's, it's not the, it's not the anti-tech position to be anti-GMO because technology is just a tool in our lives. Right? right. And yeah. So take like traditional breeding, right. Where we, you know, a good, a good breeder can create uh, seeds that in con in conjunction with the agroecological program can create seeds to create basically any reality where you have higher yield, all this different stuff. But now with, with technology, we can use, you know, genome sequencing to guide traditional breeding to be even better mm. than GMOs and traditional breeding. So we can use genetics to create better crops yeah. without using GMOs. That's GM watches big perspective and their, their whole, team of you know all the scientists that affiliate with them and everything where yeah we you know we we can use tech technology to create you know crops that outperform gmos on virtually every level whether it be drought right. tolerance salt tolerance yield all these different things but they never never gets the attention right of and even without tech well probably because though i mean if i'm just guessing it's probably because yeah. those things aren't as patentable yeah. as yeah. as gmo seed mm-hmm. 
and this is why I content like all it's weird. It's such an insulated bubble where where all these um, academics and scientists and stuff, they don't even realize they're just in this bubble where like if you actually cared about solving these problems, you might be interested in this stuff, but they're not. Mm-hmm. They're just interested in a technocratic solution. Right. Um, and that's the thing. Even even if the GMOs worked, they'd still be massive problems with them, you know, and there'd still be issues with with the cultural aspect and the, you know, and the and the mm-hmm. corporate aspect and all these different things. But it's so silly that they, they don't even really work for what for all these technocratic solutions that they say they're working for, at least uh-huh. not yet. And yet it's so it, it is like a religion. It is like a like mm-hmm. a like a cult. And uh, um yeah, it's just fast. Once I learned about the yeah, the like the gene, you know, guiding genomes with mm-hmm. traditional breeding, I was like, holy smokes, this is crazy. You know, it's such a right. it's so stark. You know, it's so yeah. well. So and that's why I mean, that's why I really don't like the term like anti-GMO or pro-GMO. Yeah. And and what I tell a lot of people, and I have mixed feelings about this, but like when they come at me with like, oh, but GMOs are like safe to eat. I mean, honestly, what I tell people is that's literally not the top of the list of my concerns at all. Like, I don't. Yeah focus on this, the science or safety. Like, I don't really care whether GMOs are especially safe to eat or not. Like my biggest issue and, and coming from sort of like an anti-corporate perspective is corporate control of our food supply and that the damage, uh, to, um, you know, inequality and sustainability that like having, I mean, and, and I saw this firsthand, you know, living here in Kansas when I was in high school, I did a science fair project on some GMO seed. I was yeah. trying to like, look at how GMO seed decomposed versus organic. And we went to some local farmers and they were like completely unable to tell me what the seed actually was. Like they had a yeah. contract with, um, I don't know if this was Monsanto. I don't remember, but it was some, um, you know, corp agrochemical company. And they also told me basically, you know, it was probably illegal what they were doing, even giving me like a little tiny bag, like a yeah. one pound bag of corn seed because a project or yeah, a either. like local science fair project, because they were like, yeah, this is breaking my contract. You're not allowed to do research on like that fact alone that we are yeah. creating this dynamic where like local farmers all around the world are sort of beholden to corporations who have patents on their seeds and then chemicals mm-hmm. that those seeds are designed to work, you know, with. Yeah. It's just, I mean, like you don't have to think anything about the science of the safety of eating GMOs to be concerned about that system yeah. or, or like you can look at soil micro, or, I mean, there's so many yeah. different angles and that's yeah. why this black and white anti-pro it's so much more nuanced than that. And it, to me, it's yeah. like, which aspect of mm-hmm. the GMO technology and mechanisms are you talking about? Yeah. Which, you know, like, exactly. what is it we're discussing? Yeah. And there's something, well, yeah, you brought up a some fantastic <laughs> points and i it's funny because yeah well that, that black and white stuff is for small minds you know it's it's so insane how you know how people fall into that and but what's interesting they these guys the you know the, the pro cartel will mm-hmm. they will retort they will use a rhetorical trick what you just said on against the anti people they'll be like well you're not really against gmos and you don't really think they're unsafe you're just against monsanto and the corporate mm-hmm. control it's, and they would say that in this course right wow and, okay you know where they'd be like and i'm like and i'm thinking like okay so <laughs> you guys aren't fighting monsanto you guys are you guys are getting emails from them so right it's like you're on their side so it's like you know what i mean so it's like what you what you're saying you're not even a proponent of right you're mm-hmm. you, you pretend to make and 
even that, and, and again, we don't have to get into this now, but um, I think the issue of scientific safety of consuming GMOs, whether it be humans or animals, there are a lot of unanswered questions and there. Mm-hmm. I was actually, I had that going into this, I had the same thought where I was like, okay, like I'm not going to focus on the, uh, the scientific uh, aspect of our GMO safe to eat. Cause that's kind right. of, that can be, that can be kind of, that's easy to straw man against and all this different stuff. And, um, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll save that Claire, one. We'll have to yeah. discuss that one a whole yeah. other time. But I, I will say though that I, yeah, we did have, uh, someone from GM watch in our course. Uh, yeah. Claire Robinson, who, who did give a lecture on the, the scientific studies specifically on safety and of consuming GMOs. And it is, fascinating and bizarre to say the least like to once you actually mm-hmm. dig into those studies and uh, i will say that there are unanswered questions especially oh, yeah. for especially for glyphosate and bt bt crops which are the main yeah. you know the main ones Absolutely. but yeah it's but yeah they 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 do this whole th- yeah they they do this whole thing where they're like you know you're really just anti-corporate which is noble and good and you know but you're not really anti-gmo so they'll focus on this slice of and this is my big gripe with uh, university scientists and academic scientists is they, they have zero, uh, backbone in fighting any, you know, they're the last to criticize Monsanto. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, they, even if they, even if they're not shills and even if they're not taking money from them explicitly or whatever, they will never step out of line and say something that hurts, even subconsciously, even if they're not consciously doing this, they will never, do something against their career prospects, mm-hmm. which is human nature, you know, which is if you're, if you're making a good gig at a university and everything's safe and sheltered and, you know, and you, all you have to do is say, read what's on the index card and, you know, then you're, you're good. But the, yeah, they, and even people that aren't, again, I was telling like, I, on, on more than one occasion, I got emails from Cornell professors, perhaps not necessarily in the scientific departments, you know, or in mm-hmm. the, in the ag school departments, I will say, that, that and I hate this I almost wish they would say nothing but they, they would be like I love what you're doing I can't speak out on it and I'm like you know I'm wow. like you're so you're telling me you're a coward or you're you know you're mm-hmm. you care more about your salary than you know um which yeah I hate that and uh yeah that's happened more than once for sure it's with- crazy that we have a system in which professors can't that, that they're trapped in that I mean that's what yeah. tells you how powerful corporate interests are at places like Cornell. So yeah. So one final question then, um, this is kind of how I'm going to be wrapping up. I think all my episodes, but what does the term science is gray mean to you in a few, a few words or sentences? Yeah. Um, I think, I think that there is a, like I said before, there's, there's a, there's a party line for the, for the academic world on virtually every scientific topic. Um, even things that are, that are supposedly uh, positive, like let's like global warming research or something, which you and I both believe is real, right? Uh-huh. Whatever that means, right? Global warming is real, but even something like that, right there, there you, you, you're not allowed to stray from the party line, which is what science is all about, which is about nuance and paradigm shifts and, things being upended and, and one new data point completely changing, it's completely changing your outlook and all this mm-hmm. different stuff and, and your thesis. And, and uh, uh, so that's what that means to me is that what we're not, what we're doing today is not 
science. And I think I wrote in my initial article, which a lot of people laughed at. I was like, you know, it seems like we're kind of in a scientific dark age uh, right now. And people are like, what are you talking about? We're doing all this crazy stuff. We, you know, we got, we're going to Mars. We're doing, I'm like, that's not what I'm talking about. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the fact that you're, yeah. But uh, Colin Campbell did in particular agree with me on that point, which I'm proud <laughs> of, you know? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's what that, that's what that means to me is that, and that the people that are the, you know, the, uh, the torch carriers of science are doing nothing of the sort. And that's the scariest thing is that if there's not some evil, dark anti-science group out there, it's that the the priests themselves are complicit in the, you know, to use a religious analogy, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, what do you do then? You know, what do you do? You, how do you break that, you know? And uh, that's that's our yeah. goal for this century, I guess. Yeah, but mm-hmm. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. And do you have anything you want to share with anyone about where people can find you or what you're working on now or anything like yeah. that? Well, I've taken a lot of time between this project, but I, I, uh, I was, uh, starting to work on a documentary about this whole thing and, um, that's in the works for sure. Awesome. And, um, yeah, my website, uh, which will probably change URL. I'll probably ch- change the redirect. It was initially gmowtf.com, which I got cause it was open. And I, I liked it. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I'm sure by the time everyone's listening to this, that'll be up and, and good to go. And, uh, yeah. And right now, so yeah, I'm working on this documentary and I'm just wondering how to, I know what I want to say, but I'm just wondering how to structure it and how to, I want to tell the story about Cornell, but without being too uh, on the nose and obtuse about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see where that leads, but yeah, be on the lookout for that and yeah, reach out for any questions or anything like that. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. This is fantastic. Always a pleasure to, to talk with you. Yeah. Great conversation today. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah.